Hello and welcome to Humanize the Hustle. I'm Alicia Slaughter, and I created this podcast for health-conscious corporate professionals, working parents, and entrepreneurs. Join me and special guests as we talk about the latest in mind-body wellness. Here, we believe that health and happiness is non-negotiable. And just a reminder, this podcast is for the purpose of education only and is not a replacement for medical help. Please seek out the help of a trained professional for help with your specific situation. Okay, now on with the episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Humanize the Hustle, the podcast on a mission to explore the delicate dance of achieving balance, health, and happiness in a world that often feels like it's pulling us in the opposite direction. Today, I'm thrilled to dive into a captivating conversation with the incredible Sarah Lee. Together, we'll unravel the concept of pain as a messenger and explore the fascinating crossroads of physical and spiritual healing. In a world that bombards us with messages to do more and be more, many of us grapple with the toll this takes on our physical and mental well-being. We find ourselves trapped in a cycle of stress, burnout, and sometimes even chronic pain. But what if we flip the script? What if we viewed pain not just as an adversary, but as a vital messenger guiding us towards a deeper understanding of ourselves and our purpose? Often we live our lives disconnected from our bodies, searching externally for answers. But what if the key to our most significant health issues lies within us, waiting to be deciphered? It's common to dismiss or downplay physical discomfort, powering through or seeking solutions externally. Today, we're challenging that narrative with the insightful Sarah Lee, a self-healing mentor who guides individuals to decode the language of their bodies and use pain as a compass for self-healing. Sarah's journey and the expertise she brings is a testament to acknowledging pain as a guide, not as an obstacle. Her unique perspective challenges conventional notions of body healing, promising a transformative shift in how we approach our well-being. Through this conversation, my hope is to catalyze this shift in your perspective, from viewing pain as a roadblock to recognizing it as a sacred messenger, propelling us towards a more aligned and purposeful life. Now, to not keep you waiting any longer, please join me in welcoming Sarah Lee to the podcast. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Alicia. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited for you to be here. And I think there's probably a lot of people wondering, you know, like, what is a self-healing mentor? So maybe you could explain a little bit just to lay the foundation for what is a self-healing mentor exactly and who was a self-healing mentor for? Absolutely. So it was really challenging to decide on just one title that encompasses all that I am and all that I do. But I decided on self-healing mentor because the essence of my work is to teach others how to heal their own pain based on the principles that I've personally discovered through both my own journey and clinical experiences too. So self-healing mentorship is really for anyone who resonates with the belief that we all have this divine power within ourselves to heal and they're wanting to know a method that honors this natural intelligence how to awaken that how to connect with that to heal their chronic pain or maybe a new mystery pain in their body well i love that and and also maybe you could talk a little bit about your your background i know that you are you're you're trained as a chiropractor as well as a couple other modalities too right that's right Yes. So my personal story is a bit of a long one, but 
to make things brief and concise. Uh, my personal journey really started when I meditated for the first time when I was 12 years old. And I still remember that feeling of just total calmness that washed over me for the first time in my life. And that is the moment that I realized that I could actually change my reality through my own actions. And, you know, growing up in a suffocating home environment, that idea of having freedom within myself, no matter my external circumstances, was really motivating. So from that first meditation onwards, I was really hooked on self-development. Um, I felt endless. So even at 12, at 12, you, you connected with the power of meditation and were able to bring like a quietness because that's amazing to have that connection. I will say that when I was 12, it's not that it wasn't really the type of meditation that you think of now as a, a grown adult, but I actually came across it because I was in this leadership program after hours and in their course materials, they had this exercise and it was just to simply lay in the grass and stare at the sky for watch the clouds for 10 minutes, set a, set a timer and see how far you can get. And the first time I thought about doing it, I thought, wow, 10 minutes is a long time just to be doing nothing. I just couldn't bear the thought of that. But after that first time, it felt like that 10 minutes was just a matter of seconds. And even though my eyes were open, I feel like open eye meditation is a really powerful way of tapping into the subtle realms as well and finding stillness within yourself. Well, and it's really hard when I have to close my eyes so that I'm not stimulated by external things that are happening around me. So to be able to, I think it just says a lot about you and like you at such a young age, being able to tap into that, I think is like pretty incredible. Um, I have, you know, I have a 17 year old and a 20 year old daughter who like every time I get them to meditate, um, I know my older daughter, she probably won't like me saying this, but I tried to get her to do a tapping meditation with me and she goes, I'll sit here and I'll be quiet, but I won't tap. You know, so I feel like there's just like a, a resistance sometimes to, with a lot of children, you know, in, in trying to tap into that, the pause or the quietness, you know, that we also desperately need. So anyways, I kind of got off topic there, but I know when I was reading that about you, I was like, wow, 12 years old, like, you know, really tapping into meditation, which I thought was pretty incredible. So so sorry, you go back to your story. So you t- you <laughs> tapped into meditation. You're already an extraordinary, you know, meditator at 12. And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you could uh, you could say that. But basically, it sparked this endless curiosity about learning more about myself because I personally felt like I had no idea who I was when I looked around me and everyone seemed to be so confident in who they were. And so this journey of self-development at its core was always for the purpose of connecting more with myself and finding out who I really was. So then that took me to my high school years when my path started to lead me in the direction of learning more about the human body and pain. I was a competitive athlete, mostly playing volleyball and track and field, but I still had that spirit of self-development very much within me because a lot of my athletic skills were self-taught. I would literally run skills camps for myself in my own backyard by myself. So you're an overachiever. <laughs> well, I, 
Yes, I love to that. And also, I just loved the feeling of learning and mastering something. So yes, definitely overachiever energy. I can relate. Yeah, mm-hmm. type A, the type A in me uh, sees the type A in you. <laughs> I feel so seen. <laughs> so yeah, I just love to figure out how things worked. Um, and of course, that came with a lot of trial and error. I got injured a lot more than most of my fellow athletes. And eventually in college, as I was working my way through my kinesiology degree, I noticed that my body was feeling all kinds of pains, like shoulder pains, neck pains, back pains, leg pains, hip, but you name it, I've probably felt it at some point in time. And some of these pains eventually turned chronic. So, but I didn't really think much of it at the time because I just wrote it off as a natural consequence of having so many past injuries. And then fast forward to the end of college, I ended up at chiropractic school here in California. Um, And I say ended up because I really had no idea what chiropractic was just months before committing to it as a career path. All I knew was that it felt so right. And I followed that feeling all the way until I opened my first and then my second clinical practice. And so I think this year is the year that I can finally say that I look back on all of that and understand exactly the purpose of me being a chiropractor. Um, And that purpose was to study alignment. First, I had to really thoroughly learn the principles of structural alignment and how that led to physical pain relief. But also more than that, I had to learn that alignment and pain relief were so much more than just physical. And I already started to pick up on this in chiropractic school. I really dove into the holistic techniques that address the whole of the person. We would have um, just a few breaks during our busy school day for club meetings or like early in the morning after school hours. And I was just always in those clubs discovering more. Um, So while I was in school, I got certified in a few techniques like applied kinesiology and neuroemotional technique that are just more holistic. And then eventually that exploration drew me into the world of energy healing and then I was trained in quantum healing as well so really um, I just learned to further lean into my spirituality and so as I did that my work evolved alongside me and since my work was to be really good at figuring out the root causes of people's pain my actual ability to pick up on those subtleties of the root causes was super enhanced And I even ended up developing a form of what's called medical intuition, uh, which generally is the ability to use intuition to receive insight about the deeper causes of people's health ailments. Um, But unlike textbook medical intuition, if you were to Google that, it's kind of the general uh, experience is it's almost like an x-ray vision where you're taught to systematically read a person's energy field and scan it for health issues. But my medical intuition is very specific to just the emotional and spiritual causes of pain. So it comes to me in images, feelings, like I see it as a video playing in my mind. And I never thought in a million years that I would be able to perceive this kind of information. And so it really confused me for a little bit because at that time when it developed, all I wanted to do was to empower others to heal and not do it for them. So I really was like asking myself, why 
had I developed this medical intuition, which we all have, by the way, and can be developed. So then it dawned on me that I could actually reverse engineer this ability of mine to teach to others. So then I went to work figuring out what sort of information it was that I was actually tuning into intuitively. Then I systematized it and made it as simple as possible, then tested it clinically to see if it could produce similar results to when I would use it to heal myself. And simply the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. And so because of all of this, I found myself wanting to step back more and more in practice, just be as hands-off as possible and witness true empowerment and healing coming from the client, um, trying really hard to embody this belief that healing is not about doing, but it's about being in your own power as much as possible. And of course, there's times for, you know, outside support and intervention. But I would say in most everyday cases that when it comes to healing pain, there is a lot that can be reclaimed. So that's why in a few weeks, I'm stepping away as a practitioner and into full-time mentorship so I can stay in alignment with all this wisdom that's come to me in the last little bit. Yeah. So maybe give a couple examples of when you really started tapping into this when you were, um, you know, doing hands-on adjustments, if if you can. So I'm I'm kind of, as you were talking, I'm painting like a picture in my head of of you, you know, being in your chiropractic office, like maybe you know, adjusting somebody, and then like, are you seeing like a vision, and you're like, hey, there's, you know, like what. How how does that work just so people can maybe understand like when you started feeling that and like when it started becoming so apparent that, you know, the people that you were actually touching, it would be better to to give them the power to heal themselves? Mm, great question. So it was a very gradual stepping back, I'll say. Like I was very much rooted in hands-on practice. Like, you know, in traditional chiropractic, you have that chiropractic adjustment, which is 100% hands-on. And so going back to when I was in school for chiropractic, I had certified in applied kinesiology too, which is it uses a system of muscle testing to ask the body questions about root causes and also addresses chemical and emotional imbalances in addition to structural imbalances. So from that, I already had a sense that it wasn't just the hands-on physical work that was helping with the pain relief. And I had a personal experience in school that I'll give you an example of. That was the first moment that I realized that there's it's not just physical and there's a very emotional, energetic component to it as well. And it was when I was doing this neuro-emotional technique uh, workshop or seminar as a student in school. And this technique is just to release, to help release emotional stress from being held in the body and just help to process it a little bit easier. And essentially, in the first day of this workshop, it was a two-day workshop weekend, and it was myself and another student who has never done this before. We were walking through the protocol, just our first round of practice ever. And I had this really sharp neck pain at the base of my skull. It felt like 
a dagger was going through my brainstem. Like when I would touch it, it was just really, really hard. And I was in chiropractic school this time. So I had almost unlimited access to chiropractic adjustments. And I knew a lot of different types of muscle work from before. So I was working on this, but it still would come back after a couple of days. So in this workshop, we were in the first five minutes of using this protocol, which was already a very simple and short protocol. I touched the base of my skull and it was completely numb. Like someone had injected anesthetic into it and I was shocked. I was like poking and prodding for the rest of the day, um, trying to figure out where that one spot was and I couldn't find it. And this was, I don't know, seven years ago and it still has never returned. So like that was the first moment where I really realized that I was storing, it's possible to store emotions in the body and that pain can be relieved when the emotions that underlie that are addressed. So then fast forward, I became trained in quantum healing and chakra analysis with a pendulum. And for those who don't know, the energy centers called chakras along the path of the spine, they allow energy to enter our bodies. And you can actually read the pattern of energy flow within each chakra, which could tell us a lot of information about what our mental, emotional landscape is like too. So I had these two really powerful intuitive analysis tools. We had muscle testing and chakra analysis, and I used them as indicators of balance and restored function before and after a visit. So what I did in clinical practice was to see if I could get clients to that point of balance and restored function as measured by these two indicators, doing as little as possible on my end. And so instead of actually doing the hands-on adjustments, I would step back and see, okay, can we accomplish this in some other way that doesn't involve me actually delivering a force into their body? And so sometimes we would do other aspects of physical work and then gradually I would take that out. And sometimes we would just do the emotional work or just do the um, energetic work. And a lot of that showed to be responsible for the indicators going back to their balanced or normal position and people would report pain relief. They would report, they would experience emotional releases during the sessions. So in the beginning days, that's all I really had to go off of to see that there was change happening. Um, how did they feel before and after the session? What were the indicators showing? Did they release emotions? Did they feel pain relief right at the end of that session? And into the future. And so I was looking at all of these indicators as I was doing my testing, but what kind of spurred this on was going back to the medical intuition side of things is it's not that I was seeing visions like as I was working on people, it actually started as an experiment. It was just a game for myself. I thought, uh, if I just sit in meditation and ask to or open myself up to receiving insights about these the causes of people's pain but without actually doing the testing to see like what would come up and I didn't really take this seriously in the beginning because I like I didn't have any expectations I just thought I'm just going to try this and see what happens and I did this with every single 
new clients and before I ever met them in person, they filled out their intake form and I did it based on that information for a long time. And then I started to do it with my current clients because like they would resolve one pain and then a new pain would show up. And so I would tune into that as well. I'd write them all down. I actually have some, some here, just like I would write them down on these square pieces of paper and I called them a body language reading. And I would just use that. I would just write things down. I wouldn't always refer to it in the moment, but I would always check afterwards. And if it was, it felt appropriate, I would share with the client like what I tuned into. And a lot of times the things that I wrote down on the pieces of paper, the body language readings were really important, pertinent information that helped us move their healing process forward. And sometimes it didn't always make sense right away, but like, the results kind of spoke for themselves. Um, so that's kind of how it all came about. Yeah. So a couple things just um, to give definitions to some of the terms that you're using. So uh, you mentioned quantum healing. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> that's a great question as well. So all of these definitions, or I don't know if you're going to ask me more, but they're all based on my personal understanding, and I think that definitions can be fluid and change with each person and practitioner's experience. But for me, quantum healing is about recognizing the wholeness of the person. So everything that we need is already inside of us and that we are just being reminded of that. And so healing, quantum healing is when we basically take a person back to that wholeness within them. There's the quantum field, like the energy field in which all matter in the universe first springs from. And so it's basically the birthplace of everything. And it's also the ending point of everything. So in a sense, to simplify, quantum healing is just bringing you to a place of infinite possibilities where you're actually able to tap into that innate power that you have to heal, to manifest, to bring your gifts into this world. Yeah. So it's really a place of like, they call it zero point because it's the starting point and you can go anywhere, infinite possibilities in every direction. It's maybe like being in total alignment with like source energy or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as you were talking about it, that's just that. what it was making me think of. I like that. Um, yeah. And I, you know, like I was saying in the intro, I just, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because I, um, I followed you on Instagram for a while and, um, I just loved how you were really starting to change your message to being a lot more self-guided and a lot more of like telling people to just trust themselves. And I have, I've been through like so many different, you know, emotional and physical d things in my life and even those around me. And I feel like just the search to try to fix things all the time and putting your life in other people's hands to try to have them tell you the answer um, mm -hmm. to what is ailing you, whether it be emotionally or physically. And um, some people can spend their whole lives searching for an answer through other people and I really, at this point in my life, have been coming back to like trusting your gut, trusting yourself, like really like 
and one of my favorite sayings is like the quieter you get and I forgot who who said it um you might know but you know the quieter you get the more you can hear and there's so much noise all the time and you'll go to one doctor and they'll tell you one thing you'll go to another doctor and they'll tell you another thing and it's just such a hustle and sometimes it's like you just and I even think you said this like we need to do less we need to get quieter we need to trust ourselves and um and I also liked your idea as pain as a messenger because I have recently gone through an experience to where I dealt with like a lot of trauma and my hips started acting up and my and you know they say that um in yoga they say or and I don't know who exactly says it in yoga they say it a lot that uh, your emotions sit in your hips and maybe you have some information about why that is if it's like chakra based or whatever but it was just you know my hips started bothering me and then there was all this stuff going on in my life and then I was trying to kind of heal from all this stuff and then everything just got kind of stuck in my hips and um you know I kept on going to the doctor and everyone's like I got x-rays all this stuff everyone's like you're fine you know I we can't see any reason for this and so really on the other side of it it just came out that you know I it really was emotional based for me. And I really came and then, you know, and then it sits in your body and you're like, yeah, it's an emotional thing. And then you just feel that like, yes, of your body saying, yep, it's emotional. You know, there's nothing like that you could really do besides trying to, trying to fix the energy that's in your body to fix what's going on in your hips. And so mm-hmm. I was, when I reached out to you to have you on, I had just kind of processed all of this. And I was like, yes, it's exactly. I just went through like a couple of years of like chasing my hip problem with all these different people and no one could figure it out and it wasn't getting better. And, you know, a lot of it just had, and I was like, it's emotional. So um, maybe speaking about into there, you know, me sharing my story, but with emotional work. So maybe you can talk a little bit about when, you know, what are the techniques that you give to your patients for emotional release? Like how, if you do deem that something in their body is emotional energy that's stuck, that's causing pain, like what are some of the the protocols maybe that that you pull from to help people or is that not exact like how does that work um so in the past when i was still a one-on-one practitioner i would walk them through the neuroemotional technique practice but that was still for the most part a practitioner-centered practice where there was ways to do that on your own, but it was always, it was never a complete process. It sort of depended on the practitioner being there. And so when I stopped practicing that actively, I didn't really give any supplemental practices and I still don't, actually, when I think about it. The approach that I take is is that whatever it is that is there emotionally, it's just an energy. So energy always seeks to be released and to move. It wants to flow. That's its natural, inherent trait. And so... There are so many different ways. There's so many different ways to release emotions. And I don't have a particular strategy for that. 
a lot of the clients that I work with already have their own strategies, um, whether that is, I don't know, breath work or somatic practices or just, I can't even think of any other ones because I just don't really guide in that way. But um, I think at the core of it, it's always encouraged to release whatever it is, surrender to it, allow yourself to sit with those hard feelings. Of course, given you have some tool to help you do that or you have just the ability and the confidence to know that you can sit in that because I think that's what prevents a lot of people from doing that in the first place. So while I can't share any particular tools, um, my strategy has always just been to face it head on. Mm -hmm. And I understand not everyone can do that, but that's just what I do. Yeah. What do they say? The only way out is through. Mm -hmm. So this connection that we're talking about between physical pain and spiritual misalignment, like how did you start to rec recognize it? You know, how, how do you, how does someone know if their pain is due to spiritual misalignment or how do they know if their pain is like, you know, like a broken bone is a broken bone. So like, how does that work? Uh, there's a lot of different ways I could answer this question, but it really just depends. It depends on where a person is in their own consciousness process. And the argument could be made that no physical ailment is random, even accidents. So if that is a possibility in your belief system, then you can go with that. But for a lot of people, um, it's hard to make that connection. So let's just, for the sake of this conversation, say that injuries and accidents are not part of this discussion and that maybe this, those are by accident. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about chronic pain and things that persist for a long period of time despite many attempts to try to resolve that with different treatments and modalities and products and supplements and whatnot. So what I can say to help sort of display this relationship better is to, I can share my own recent story of when I strung this all together and might help give some context. So the understanding that physical pain is just a mirror of spiritual pain and misalignment revealed itself to me two years ago when my life just turned completely upside down. Um, but that super chaotic time in my life was what taught me that this belief that physical pain is in many cases just spiritual pain and misalignment manifesting physically. And the gist of it was that what was happening in my life, like a long-term relationship ended suddenly. I had to close my first practice suddenly um, when I ran into unexpected immigration issues. So rugs were just being pulled out from under me left and right. And so I decided to take a hiatus because my intuition was telling me that if I just focused inwards and really faced myself, that everything would somehow sort itself out on the outside. So literally was nothing left to lose. I was like, I'm going to do this like it's my full-time job. So took the whole year to figure out 
how I could go about healing from my old patterns that got me into that position in the first place, like perfectionism, people pleasing, relationship codependency, hiding from my power, so many things. And by the way, during this time, my body was in more pain than ever at this point. But for whatever reason, I just ignored my body, despite all the tools that I had and all the ability that I had to do something about it. I set my pain on the back burner and was like, there's other much more pressing things. And I just simply didn't have the capacity to pay attention to anything else. So it was the healing was super, super difficult work. And of course, continues to this day. But during that year, I was able to transform a lot of my old patterns. And like for the first time, I was able to feel more in my power, not care what people thought as much, let go of control, which was a big one for me, uh, learn to put myself first, identify and take care of my own needs and so much more. And I worked on all of those ways that I had been completely out of alignment with myself and my authenticity. And then as a totally unexpected outcome of this alignment on a spiritual and energetic level, my body changed dramatically as well. Like I could feel energetically that I was carrying myself differently, but on a physical structural level, my alignment itself actually changed. The curves of my spine were restored. My upper and lower cross syndrome, which are like a postural imbalances, were balanced out. My bunions reversed. Like I could actually fit into normal width shoes for the first time, which shocked me. And my feet developed functional arches when they were actually flat before. And because my alignment changed, my pain changed too. Like no more neck pain, shoulder pains, back pains, and no more of those nasty trigger points that I've found in my shoulder blades. And then as a cherry on top, after right after all of this, um, and I realized that how much things had shifted energetically and physically, then my life itself suddenly shifted and I was able to get back up on my feet again. Um, all of a sudden, all the immigration stuff that I was waiting on worked out and I was able to open up my second practice again. Mm -hmm. So this is when I realized for the first time that moving forward, I could use my pain as an extension of my intuition or a spiritual compass, if you will, to let me know when I'm out of alignment. Um, and in treating my pain like a divine messenger, not only was I able to heal myself faster and better than ever before, but I also got life-changing spiritual wisdom from it too. Um, I figured out that this neck pain that I was having that was particularly bad during that year was actually speaking symbolically to how passive I was being in the process. Um, there were specific details about the pain that I keyed in on and was like, oh my gosh, this is literally mirroring to me exactly what is out of alignment and actually how to move forward if I just take action. If I play my part in the co-creative process, then I can actually manifest what I'm trying to manifest instead of just sitting here idly saying, oh, it's not divine timing isn't right yet and just making an excuse for myself. I realized through my neck pain, my neck pain was showing me that I actually just needed to act. I had to stop being so uh, paralyzed about everything and dropping everything when I felt pain. Mm -hmm. um, so then, since then, I've had like dozens, lost count now, like more new, new mysterious pains that have come up, but 
using these pains to find greater spiritual alignment like I did before, I was able to heal them in a very short period of time. And it still blows my mind when a pain comes up in the body and I'm able to trace it back to the spiritual misalignment that caused it using symbolism. And then the pain disappears usually for me later that day or sometimes immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And it still works like that for me today. That's super cool. So are you comfortable to share some of like your favorite spiritual practices? Oh, my favorite spiritual practices? As in, like, what do you mean by that? To keep you grounded. So as you were telling that story and you I, you took a year off, I guess, to kind of heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and since most of, you know, from what you were saying, most of your pain was emotional or spiritually based, like what types of spiritual practices did you incorporate into your life like during that year that helped you heal? Um, yeah, great question. So I leaned really heavily on the be- in the beginning. I was in a total rock bottom and I struggled. I really, really struggled. And it was, I didn't really have tools at that point to, well, I mean, I had tools, but for some reason they just didn't feel like the right tools. And In that time, my friend actually had introduced me to something called TBM, to be magnetic, and it's a neural reprogramming program that has all kinds of like self-help type healing programs that you can, meditations you can listen to and it reprograms your subconscious. And so I did that like in obsessively, a lot like a lot more than I was advised to do in the program <laughs> but of course I mean look who we're talking to <laughs> and also I just had so much time on my hands I was like yeah why not like yeah I can handle it so I just really went yeah full on with that and um that really helped me get to a point where I felt like I had my feet touching the ground for once after all that and then Um, So that helped a lot. And then more stuff happened later that year. And I stopped, like, TBM kind of, like, phased itself out of my life after it helped me in that one particular scenario. And then what I started to do was a lot of journaling. A lot of journaling and... Being practicing radical honesty with myself. And that is a very uncomfortable process, but allowing myself to be seen and heard in the ways that I hadn't been as a child really healed me in a lot of ways. Um, I have so many journals, so many journals piled up in my cupboard from that time. Um, so breath work, journaling sounds like, uh, reprogramming kind of some childhood trauma. Yeah. And there's just, there's so many tools available. And I think just because some, something worked for me or something worked for someone else doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the same for anyone who's listening. Right. It's like things come onto your path at the exact right moment that you need them, but it, it's a matter of discernment, like learning to decide what's right for you rather than 
taking it all in and then having to find out the hard way that, oh, actually, that wasn't really for me. Right. Kind of back to the the topic, <laughs> right? <laughs> Listening to your gut and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and kind of getting quiet and seeing what what's right for you, not maybe what's you're scrolling and finding on Instagram, right? Like less input, it sounds like. There, there's like, you need less input to get more clarity as to to what's going to feel right for you. Um, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And, um, and you just got to try different things, I think. I know for me, and I've said this on the podcast before, like yoga has been huge for me in so many ways. And I was first drawn to the physical practice and then it became... Um, I just became a student of yoga, like everything mm-hmm. yoga. And I have all the books and I'm constantly learning. And it's like such an onion to peel back. And there's so many fun things that I was like, oh, I've never heard about this part of yoga. And all of it is like um, opening a present every time I find something mm-hmm. new that I haven't heard about yoga. And it always just makes so much sense to me. Like yoga and Buddhism are kind of like, you know, if I'm really like feeling confused, I always feel like they both have something to teach me and like help me make sense of things all the time. But mm-hmm. that won't make sense for everyone else. But and I was going to like talk therapy forever. And I remember just and I was going to talk therapy and going to talk therapy and like crying for an hour and paying someone to like cry for an hour. And then it just dawned on me one time. I'm like, I should just be going to yoga more. Like I should stop this and just go sit in the yoga room and like work through my body, like work the energy mm-hmm. through my body because I just... I had talked about it enough and I was like, I'm so done talking about this, but yeah. um, kind of the same, kind of different. But I I really just have connected with yoga and anytime things I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, go to yoga. You don't know what to do. Go sit in the yoga room. And even if you just lay there and you know, and you breathe, like that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so yeah, all those different modalities. So um, what was I going to ask you about too? You brought up symbolism. So talk a little bit about like the role of symbolism in um, in understanding pain or understanding spiritual or emotional discomfort and maybe give an example of it, of how Definitely. it works. Yeah, happy to. So I think it w- this was going to make the most sense to those listening who already somewhat work with symbolism, whether it's through practices like manifestation or dream work or even, you know, art and literature. Um, I personally believe that symbolism is the language of the soul and that we have this inherent ability to understand it, although it's become somewhat of a foreign concept in this day and age because of how everything favors linear thinking. But if you stop to look closely enough, symbolism is in everything and there can be which means that there can be hidden meaning and wisdom found within anything pain is the same way the specific details of your pain carry a symbolic meaning that is meant for you to uncover and learn from and in this way i see pain as a divine messenger the message contained within each person's pain is specific to them and it contains the solution for their healing within it. So in other words, the message contains the exact answers and solutions that will release your pain. And all you need to do is to decipher the specific meaning and apply it to your life. And what's more is that it's not just 
this message isn't just random life advice. This is your intuition and in its most potent and loudest form trying to wave down your attention and let you know that something in your life needs to change for your own good. And when you do choose to align with that symbolic wisdom, the pain has fulfilled its ultimate purpose and often leaves you in peace afterwards. Mm -hmm. So that's the good news. And we've already talked about like a couple of examples from my own personal experience, but uh, I wanted to share one of a client example, which I think really simply demonstrates this, although in most cases it can be less straightforward to extract the specific meaning. So um, one of my favorite examples is this client who came to me with low back pain only when she laid down and wrist pain in her dominant hand. So one on one visit, we discovered we dove into her low back pain, finding the symbolism in that. And we found that because it had happened only when she was laying down, it symbolized that she literally could not rest until she found her purpose. And she confirmed this afterwards, like when, when we were talking about things, because we had come to this understanding before she had even told me that she actually didn't know what her purpose was. And so once we figured that out, you know, the next visit she came in and she said that the low back pain was gone. And then so we focused on her wrist pain. And she was the one who realized symbolically that it meant that she was meant to get back into writing. Mm. And when she did, the wrist pain was gone. So again, it's not always this straightforward and easy um, to tie those pieces together and tease out the symbolic meaning. But for starters, this is a good, clear example of symbolism at play. Um, and the best part of this is that it is an easily learnable skill. And that's why I love to teach it, because I think we should all know how to tune into our bodies. And there are people maybe listening who have already tried to do this or like elements of this, maybe using Google um, type like symbolic meaning of back pain or self-help books, but maybe it didn't give you that same pain relief that you're looking for. And for those of you who are in that boat, I would say most likely you just haven't made that meaning specific enough to you. Mm -hmm. um, the meaning has to be personal for any meaningful change to take place. So you just have to identify like exactly what that's referring to and then apply it to your life. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a really good example. Um, and so are there um, places in your body or in people's bodies that, like I mentioned, hips and emotions, like, do you feel like there's a map of a body that's like a, um, an energetic emotional map that's pretty consistent from person to person? Or is everyone's pain localized in different areas to tell them something different? Does that, am I asking the question right? Does that make sense? I get what you're asking. Yeah. You know... I've seen a number of different of those maps, like some of the more popular ones and the more the lesser known ones. And just from clinical experience, like what I always tell my clients is that there are a finite number of diagnoses to which there are an infinite number of possible causes. Mm -hmm. So one person's back pain is their back pain. 
And it is for very specific reasons that have to do with what happened in their past, like how they view things, their own belief systems, their thoughts, their feelings, their physical experiences, which are entirely different from another person's. So two people with this seemingly same back pain that's in the same location is happening for totally different reasons. Um, and so for that reason, I, what I see is that pain can happen anywhere. Emotional, spiritual pain can happen anywhere in the body. And it just depends. It depends on the exact details of like why it's happening. Um, it depends on the person. And honestly, I just see it as the body's intelligence trying to pick something that's really going to stand out to that person and really get their attention. Yeah. Um, a lot of these pains that change people's lives, if you like in general think about that, it's things that it's in places that really took people out of their their routine. It had to stop them in some way from doing something that they loved or just really like blocked them from being able to move forward with something that they really wanted. And if you think about it, it's quite clever, right? Because the body's purposefully, lovingly putting a roadblock in your way and saying, hey, pay attention to this, please, so that we can actually move forward with what you want. Right. Um, so in that way, it's pain is always, um, it, its higher purpose is always to serve you and your highest good not just to make your life miserable. Right. And if you don't listen to it, uh, the the subtle pokes will become screens. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Um and and also there was something you said earlier that I I was wanted to come back to and I think when your life is out of balance and there's more things in your life that are like not in alignment, then, then you like, you know, you start getting these pains and your way of mm -hmm. healing it was to just kind of bombard is not the right way, but just really dive into bringing more self-care, more love, more listening, more, um, more alignment into your life. And I kind of feel like your life is kind of like your gut health. Like you always want more good bacteria, you know, in your gut than bad bacteria. And if there's too much bad bacteria, then you kind of have to focus on your gut and put more good bacteria in there. And I always feel like your life is kind of the same. It's a balancing like, act. Yes. Yeah. Like you're, you'll start not to feel good if there's more, I don't like to say bad, but if there's more things mm -hmm. that are not aligned and then you have to work really hard to bring, to put more good things that are in more alignment so that you feel better in your life. And mm -hmm. so- I think that's just a, a good takeaway for this that, uh, you know, that pain is telling you that something's out of alignment and you really need to get clear on where it's out of alignment and then focusing on what it's going to take to bring you back into alignment. And then like it does become like your job. Like I always tell people with my health coaching, right? Like essentially you like become your own hobby. Like you have to love yourself enough to just spend all day being like, what else nice can I do for you today? Like, yeah. do you want to go for a walk or do you want like a super yummy meal? Or maybe you want to go meditate and sit in the sauna for an hour and like not do the dishes or, you know, just like those choices that you make to just make yourself your top priority. And so many of us mm -hmm. don't do that. Yeah. So just a good excuse to just take really good care of yourself. Exactly. And that echoes before, like I was saying, I became my own full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> like when I got really serious about 
getting myself out of this pit that I was in, yeah, I had to make it more than just a hobby. It was a literal career. <laughs> like, yeah, a calling, if you will. Like, I had to do it and work overtime too. And with the bit with the the biggest reward you'll ever have in your life, though, like there's no other job that's like more rewarding than investing right. in yourself. So right. I love that. Um, so in your experience, like what do you think is missing when people are attempting to kind of self heal their pain, but they're unsuccessful? It's like a, a kind of key takeaway. And this is a big one. So just to give some context. We can say that a successful healing, although there's many definitions of that, we'll just say for the sake of this conversation that successful healing is just is not you just being able to get out of this one particular pain for now, but you also being able to do that over and over again, no matter what pain, because pain is just a part of life and it's better to learn to deal with that rather than try to run away from it forever. So to me, being a successful self-healer is about being able to confidently navigate pain in the long run. Um, now, this is where it gets a little interesting because from what I've seen, like in theory, successful self-healing requires two things. So first is the correct mindset. And the second thing is the ability to tune in and listen to the message behind the pain like we've been talking about symbolically and i say in theory because on an understanding level you've really got to be clear about certain principles in your mind and then also have a working method for deciphering those symbolic messages so in theory these are the two things that will really set you up for success in your healing process but then in practice when you're actually at the stage of applying these theories, things shift and you find yourself more of an 80-20 split. So healing then becomes 80% how well you can handle your mindset and adhere to those certain principles that you learned before about healing. Mm -hmm. And then tuning into the message then behind your pain is only about 20% in practice because Although it contains the literal antidote to your pain, you can't even begin to hear that message if your mind is causing you to spiral into fear, anxiety, doubt, shame at every turn. Like you said, dialing down and getting quiet. You can't hear your inner self when there's all these distractions and, and distractions in the form of thoughts that are sabotaging you at every turn. So really self-healing is completely available to you and it hinges mostly on your ability to trust yourself. Can you stay the course when your pain flares up? Can you keep trusting that healing's happening when you're riddled with fear? Can you be sure that your healing is coming when your pain is only feeling worse and not better? Because all of those things can and will happen to you when you engage in a pain healing process and the only way to receive the healing is to make it through to the other side not let those those thoughts and doubts off track you mm -hmm. so being successful in your self-healing is not about never feeling pain again it's about finding the power within yourself to sit with it 
in order to move through it towards the healing that you know you can have and that you deserve. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, honestly, this reason is because is the reason why I started my intuitive pain healing program is because I found it incredibly frustrating to see this potential within people to heal themselves and see them not get there because of just this one thing alone. It's mindset is an incredibly difficult part of this journey. And it's so much easier when there you have like a loving and supportive environment. And of course, a place to learn and practice your tools for self-healing. Yeah. And I want you to get in. I have one more question that I want you to talk about your intuitive pain healing program that you have. Um, but one last question before we get there. So mm -hmm. do you feel like your approach is a replacement for like Western medical in some cases, or can it work in parallel to help like Western medical approaches? And I know this is like Western medical is like a huge like statement covering a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, let's say if someone had cancer and they were going through a cancer protocol, I would think that in their mind they would have to believe that they could get better, right? And have to have all of these um, emotional healing things you're talking about working through and all these skills to like actually heal and like have the medicine work. Is there, is, do they ever work like side by side, do you think? Or is like one of them like more of a, a replacement or are they oxymorons? Mm. So yeah, that's, that's a great, interesting question because of course, like we said, there's a time and place for medical intervention. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, there are times when in a crisis, self-healing is going to get you nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> like you're going to need right. a little bit of help. But um, if you're not in a life-threatening emergency, mm -hmm. there's there's a huge application for self-healing and a particularly like the mindset portion. And let's just for the sake of this part say, it doesn't matter like what technique you use or which program you're a part of or blah, blah, blah. Like method, scratch that. Like the mindset part is where, yes, no matter what you're going through pain-wise, physically or life-wise, having a strong mindset and belief system that empowers you is always going to be a key a key factor in your healing no matter what approach you take right. and so yeah these principles are applicable to i think everything in life and yeah. that's why you know we're multi-dimensional beings our right. Pain physically is not different from our life pain. And like all of the things we learn through our physical experience applied to our life experience and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. Like they're, they can be side by side and not one is, it's not this or that approach is better. It's like this and that approach, like do whatever you need to do. Combine however many therapies you need to, to get better to yeah. like, because that's just an ego trip. <laughs> like, yeah, who cares? Honestly, like if you're not hurting yourself and you're not hurting other people, like do everything that you need to do and mix it all up as you need to, because 
you know, no one thing is meant to fix you or heal you. Yeah. It's like you got to find that out for yourself. What works? Well, I was asked that question because my experience with Western medical is that it's missing everything we've talked about today. You know, it, and I was thinking like, what a beautiful compliment for like if Western medical could just be a little bit more holistic and bring in more of the mind body um, and could help people approach their healing. Like I was just thinking like if someone goes and let's say something happens to their leg and they're like, you'll never walk again. The people that end up walking again are always the ones that have the right mindset and believe mm -hmm. that they can and believe of their power of their body to self-heal. And so I yes. was just kind of coming around and I'm like, what a beautiful compliment to any kind of pain or any kind of thing that someone's going through because it just can be so frustrating navigating Western medical and you do just feel like, you know, the doctors are trying to put a bandaid on it or like hand you a pill and like what an empowering um, component to add, just like more people should know that like there's, there's a whole mindset component to this healing, which is what we've covered today. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful, um, like missing piece of the puzzle that most people should be considering when it comes to healing their body is like, don't forget about how important this mindset is and how important physical and I'm um, sorry, the spiritual and emotional piece is of your healing process. So I was just thinking it was like actually a really beautiful compliment to to Western medical because that's just always been missing. Like I always just want to go to the doctor and have them like, like talk me up, you know, like talk up my own innate power of healing, but they never do, no. you know, <laughs> they'll never tell you that. <laughs> so that's where that question came from. I just wanted uh, to you share something that reminded yeah. me. Um, so... I I have I know exactly what you're talking about and pretty much every client of mine ever has also come in with like somewhat of a similar sentiment where they didn't get what they needed from this one place and now it's like there's a little bit of uh, frustration in that and my mentor one of my early days mentors once said to me which I thought was pretty funny was like he's like when like so every every industry, every approach has its own paradigm. And expecting, for example, Western medicine to step outside the Western medicine paradigm would be like going to McDonald's and asking for a steak. Like yeah. that's just not what they do. <laughs> right. It's like that's just literally not what they do. So maybe we're looking in the wrong place and expecting um, something that is the way that it, it is to be different than what it is. So maybe we just got to find something that resonates. Yeah. I mean, that can apply to so many things in life too. <laughs> you know, just wanting someone or something to be different than it is and then being yeah. frustrated when, when it's wanting, not. When yeah. it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's a... I hear you. <sighs> but that's what insurance covers. So, you know, yeah. another discussion there. Exactly. But I mean, hey, if you got it, why not? But yeah, yeah, it just doesn't make it wrong, right? It's just yeah. like, it's just a different way to cut the cake, yeah. different point of access. You go through it, sometimes you get frustrated and you learn something. You yeah. know, take that with you and you move on to yeah. something that works better for you. I use it as a data point in, in yes. a, 
and a whole spectrum of data points that I need to consider. So for me, everything's just data. And I, mm-hmm. and I keep on looking for the answer until someone tells me what I want to hear, honestly. Um, but <laughs> I like that. That's a very detached way to do it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't like what you just said to me. So I'm going to go ask somebody else until someone tells me what I want to hear. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your intuitive pain healing program that you're running as your sure. R. Yes. So um, the Intuitive Pain Healing Program is a 12-week guided program that helps women in chronic pain to tap into self-trust and intuition to create their own lasting relief and transformation. It is designed as a foundational course that teaches you and gives you the tools that you need to keep a strong mindset, as we've talked about, as well as gives you simple, reusable frameworks for tuning into the divine message encoded within your pain. And I specifically designed this course so that anyone who's simply drawn to abstract thinking can do it successfully with no prior medical or intuitive training because you really don't need advanced training to understand your body from an intuitive place. Just trust me on this. You don't <laughs> need to take the time like I did to yeah. be, you know, do that. You don't need thing. multiple degrees. No. Mm-mm-mm. So... Within the program, mindset is the very first module where I introduce to you what's called intuitive pain paradigm. And mindset shifts become very quick when you see that all you need to do is just simply change the lens from which you're looking or the paradigm from which you're looking through. Big emphasis on accessing deep self-compassion and self-trust and being able to feel grounded and held while sitting in your pain because We've talked about how you got to move through it to heal it. So being able to feel safe in that process is really, really important. And the healing principles um, that will help really strengthen your mindset and serve as a place to come back to over and over and over again are clearly laid out for you right from the get-go, along with embodiment practices. So you can really start to understand this on a cellular level and not just like in your head. Uh, And then the second module is called the multidimensional pain portal. So this is where you'll learn about the four simple golden questions that contain all the juicy symbolism. And you'll have a set of powerful worksheets to assist you through the process. And by the end of this module, you'll have extracted the exact situations and core beliefs that were out of alignment that your pain is reflecting back to you and what you're being asked to do moving forward to align with yourself and your purpose. Because we talked about before how, you know, if you've tried to find the symbolism in your pain and it didn't give you any relief, it just wasn't personal enough. It wasn't meaningful You didn't really get to apply that meaning to your life Um, because when you do, uh, you'll find that a lot of times your pain is speaking directly to action steps to move you towards your soul's purpose. And this is what I find clinically a lot too. And then the final module, module three, is called Be Your Own Healer. And this is where you'll learn how this pain is helping you connect back to yourself and your greatest gifts and superpowers. This is a really fun process. And it's through claiming your unique strengths that you can then use them on yourself to heal because that is literally, if you think about it, how you're designed to best heal yourself is through your own gifts. 
Um, and then with my clinically backed tools, you'll put together your very own transformative action plan to take the first steps toward acting on this guidance that your pain provides to you. So IPHP includes a combination of online curriculum that you have access to 24-7. You've also got one-on-one -on -one sessions with me, group support calls, and a private community forum to really give you a multi-dimensional learning experience as you get to be lovingly held and supported in so many different ways. Um, right now, the program is open just to women in chronic pain, although, of course, the principles apply to everyone. Mm -hmm. Sounds amazing. It's very exciting. Congratulations on the launch of your program. Thank you. Um, so how can people find you? So people can find me through, I'm on Instagram. My handle is ease.embodied. And you can also visit my website, which is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dash Lee, L-I dot com. And you'll find all the details of the IPHP program there. And you can also connect with me by subscribing to my email list where I also share lots of free tips and advice. Oh, great. Well, thank you for sharing everything that you shared today. I really hope that that people leave this conversation feeling a lot more empowered and check you out and just learn to listen to their bodies and be a lot nicer to themselves. I think we all just just need to support ourselves a lot better. So, mm -hmm. And it's a skill. It's a practice. So, It is a practice. Yep. Well, and uh, you've put together a great set of tools that are really going to help a lot of people. So, Thank you um, so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to Humanize the Hustle podcast. If you would like to get in touch with the show, email me at myalchemylife at gml.com or follow me on Instagram at wellnesswithalicia. And if you like the show, please share it with someone you love and make sure and give us a five-star review. Talk to you next time. And remember, health and happiness is non-negotiable.